Welcome back to episode 148 of the Hockey Cards Gong Show podcast. My name is Josh. I'm here at Troy. It's 2024, Troy, but not really, right? <laughs> well, today it's 2024, January 1st, when this episode drops. But we're recording on Sunday, right around 3 p.m. our time. Kind of get the podcast done right before, I guess, the New Year's celebrations begin. You got big plans tonight, Troy, for New Year's Eve? Nope. Sit on the couch and watch TV. <laughs> With my wife and kids, and probably go to bed early. Who knows? Okay, I gotta ask now. Where are you? Like, I see your background. You're the man of many backgrounds. This is like our your fourth or fifth different one. <laughs> are you at uh, in laws cabin? No, I'm on location oh. for my hometown, Hibbing, Minnesota. Oh, I'm I'm in my sister's childhood bedroom. <laughs> nice. So, bought a pink in that stuff. She had a <laughs> desk here from high school, and it kind of worked for my computer setup so we're there going go. with that now, we there are on go. my parents wi-fi so say a short prayer troy because it'll be a miracle <laughs> if this episode gets recorded i don't know if they've like updated their router ever are they on like, like a wi-fi 28 28k modem <laughs> no idea so yeah we're just gonna hope for the best here um it is 2024 happy to be with you all hope you had a very safe and happy new year's eve celebration lot to get to on our show today. Well, you just dropped the bombshell that Kaprizov was hurt. I, I was so busy getting ready for the show. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, Kaprizov and Gustafson are under evaluation. Now, they're playing today, and obviously, I don't know what's going on, if they're playing or not. But I saw the oh, okay. pop-ups on my notifications come up. So we'll, we'll have to do that afterwards. We'll have to look and see what's going on. Just a quick reminder before we get started that uh, our show, the Hockey Cards Gong Show podcast, is a Patreon podcast, which means we rely on support from listeners like yourself and partners, uh, which we'll get to in a second, uh, to help us cover our show expenses, produce more and hopefully better hockey card content, and to fund initiatives, even in a small way to grow the hockey hobby. Uh, very easy to support us. Uh, it's as little as $5 a month. You can join our $199 support level tier. You also get access to our exclusive uh uh, Gong Show Discord server and chat with our community there on a daily basis. Uh, very easy to do. You can go to our website, hockeycardsgongshow.com, click on the Become a Patron link at the top of the page. We put the link in the show description for whatever podcast app you might be listening to us on, or if you're watching us on YouTube, it's there too. It's also on Patreon's website. You can just go to patreon.com and search for Hockey Cards Gong Show. And then in our Instagram and TikTok profiles, there's a link there too. We have a new patron, and it's a, a kind of, as you're kind of showing on the screen, it's from our new partner program. Um, so I suppose we should maybe mention it because we've been yes. kind of tinkering with this and slow rolling it out. Uh, but first, we want to um, thank very, very much uh, Brewmedic47, who's a loop breaker. He's the first partner to join a new partner program. And basically what it is, it's a, a program that we've been thinking about that we are running through Patreon that will allow us to help promote maybe some smaller hobby businesses. Uh, by some miracle, Troy, the show has gained a following to a point where <laughs> to sponsor us is not super feasible for, you know, smaller companies, yeah. solopreneurs, breakers, maybe small card shops, et cetera. And, and then on the flip side, we don't want a show that's 90% ads either. Cause yeah. uh, that would not be good. And we wouldn't want to listen to a show like that, <laughs> like that either. So we've been kind of trying to find a way to balance uh, a, a program that it can help small uh, hobby businesses out and allow us to maybe or them to use our platform to kind of let everyone know what they have going on. Uh, and like I meant, we do have our first partner. It's Brewmedic 
47. He breaks hockey on the loop app. I think he's broke hockey for three years now. He does a blend of personals, pick pick your teams, random team breaks and hit draft picks. Uh, Typically three nights a week at 10 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Loop is available in the U.S. and Canada. And he uses a service called Ship My Cards to, I think, uh, Brew is here in the U.S. And he uses Ship My Cards to uh, help out his Canadian customers get cheaper shipping. So uh, thank you to Brew. We're really looking forward to helping you promote your business. And and actually, I went and I got to be honest, I hadn't, you know, we trying to get to know all these partners a little bit. I downloaded the Loop app. I had you ever had an experience on Loop, Troy? I was waiting for a break because I was going to be like, this is the impetus for me to download the Loop app and sign up and get set up so I can jump in some of his breaks and check them out. And it's what Brew Medic 47 again. But yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm excited to try Loop. I never tried it. So this will after the show. That's what I'm going to do. Sign up. If you want more information on our partner program, kind of what we have spelled out there, you can go to Patreon uh, or Patreon as well. All right, Troy, we've got a lot to get into today. You ready for the game plan? I am. But before that, I have verified that Kaprizov and Gustafson are not playing today. They are upper body injury for Kaprizov. It looks like lower body injury for Gustafson. So whatever. Wild season over. <laughs> that's where two of the main guys are gone, but that's just us being fatalists. But anyways, on today's show, we begin with the almost greatest NHL player to wear number 48. Then it's off to who's hot in the struggle bus. Next, we take a look at some hobby news. Then it's followed by a look at our last year's hobby predictions to see how we did. Did we get it right, Josh, or do we completely blow it? Which is what I would assume, but who knows? I haven't even seen how we did on our predictions. Then we take a look at explaining why 2024 could be an epic hobby hobby year for hockey cards. We then go to new product releases, and we end the show with our gong, show, mailbag, and personal pickups. Okay, Josh. Previously looked at the greatest NHL player that wore the number that matched our episode number. We ran through all the numbers, so we are now looking at the almost greatest NHL player to wear each number from the runners-up in the Hockey Writers' Greatest NHL Player to wear each number article. The almost greatest NHL player to wear number 48 for the nominees in the Hockey Writers' Greatest NHL Player to wear each number article and selected by me is Danielle or Daniel Briere. I, I, I was so focused on the last name, I screwed up his first name. Daniel Briere. <laughs> Daniel. Uh, yeah, but I've definitely heard of this guy, so I knew he was, and I think a lot of people are going to remember him from a not-so-nice story in a little bit. But we will get to that in interesting fun facts. Josh, the other nominee at number 48 was Tyler Kennedy, who I had no clue who that was. And as a reminder... The greatest to wear number 48 was Scott Young. As everyone remembers, famous episode number 48 was Scott Young. I don't know how many people remember that one, but all right. Daniel. Uh, I don't. I honestly, yeah. I'm like, who is that? Yeah, I had to re- even like refresh my own memory. So Daniel Briere, he's a center from Gatineau, Quebec. Briere was selected 24th overall in the 1996 NHL entry draft by the Phoenix Coyotes, and that threw me for a loop because there's, I was like, there's no way they've been around since 96. But, yep, that was their first year was the 96-97 season. So I just felt old and got sad. But, anyways, Briere played in 973 regular season NHL games over a 17-season NHL career. Briere played five and three-quarter seasons with Phoenix to begin his career. He then had stints with Buffalo, Philadelphia, Montreal, and the Avalanche. For his awards and accomplishments, Josh, he's a two-time All-Star Game participant. 
I feel like I'm giving out participation trophies right now. Good job that you <laughs> he made it. He actually wasn't that bad. He wasn't that bad of a player at all. For his career, 307. Everybody gets a trophy. Yeah, everyone gets a trophy. 307 goals, 389 assists for 696 points during his NHL regular season career. Briere made the playoffs in 10 of his 17 NHL seasons, compiling 53 goals, 63 assists for 116 points in 124 NHL playoff games played. Best season of his NHL career from a point standpoint was 06-07 season, where Briere had 32 goals, 63 assists for 95 points in 81 games played with the Buffalo Sabres. I don't even remember these jerseys. Do you remember these jerseys? I, I was so thrown for a loop, but that's that's them. I think. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know if I, I like them or not. I just, <laughs> no. kind of just. If you're watching on YouTube, no, you they're see what, yeah, you can see what we're talking about. Briere is best known for being one of the top Stanley Cup performers in NHL history. He averaged 0.93 points per playoff game. Now, Josh, this is our third straight player. That was listed as five foot nine inches. I don't know what the world's trying to tell us what is going on, but I think that's freaky that we've had three guys in a row that were five foot nine. We had Jared Spurgeon, Tori Krug, and now Daniel Briere. And I bring this up because we will have a little bit more on his height in fun facts on what that led him to do. It's pretty interesting. I got an idea, Troy. What's up? Uh, that could be a new PC for you. <laughs> there you go, five, five foot nine, nine club. Oh, that's a yeah. that's a t-shirt idea. And then you have five foot nine club, and then you have the guys on the back of the jersey or on the back of the t-shirt that are all five foot nine. Briere was a very effective point producer during his, during his career. He had eight seasons of 50 or more points. He also had eight seasons of 20 or more goals. All right, Josh. After retiring, Briere worked, Briere, I'm gonna keep botching his name, worked in the Flyers organization. In June 2017, Briere was appointed to run the day-to-day operations of the Maine Mariners that had been purchased by the Flyers' owners. During the 21-22 season, Briere was named the special assistant to the general manager for the Flyers. On March 10th of this year, the Flyers named Briere interim general manager, eventually promoting him to permanent general manager on May 11th of this year. I guess they really had to make sure they got it right. He, He went through the whole gamut of being the interim assistant and all that for the general manager. But now he's the general manager, the GM. So for his fun and interesting facts, here we go. During his time in Buffalo, he earned the nickname Cookie Monster from Sabres play-by-play announcer Rick, and I am going to butcher this. It's like January or J-E-A-N-N-E-R-E-T. I'm sure every Buffalo Sabres fan is screaming at me because it's probably something easy for them. But that's the announcer for his notoriety for shooting top shelf. As the announcer said, where mama hides the cookies, just like our friend, top shelf cookie sniper. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I love it. To help, okay, here's about his height. To help become stronger and more physical to combat his five foot nine frame, Briere did off season strength training with Canadian world's strongest man competitor, Hugo Girard, who shares Gatineau as a hometown. I don't think I've heard of many hockey players working out with the world's strongest man competitors. But I found that really interesting. When Briere signed with the Flyers in 2007, his contract was front-loaded, Josh, which paid him $10 million his first year. This made him the highest-paid player in the NHL, along with Scott Gomez and Thomas Vanek. 
You heard that right. Vanek and Gomez and this guy, Briere, were the highest paid players in the NHL in 2007. I just, I had to verify that one. I, I think I got that right. We watched I mean, Vanek a lot when he was with yeah. the Wild and he was, but he, was, he was a total shell of himself. He just shelled himself, but he we we also watched him with the Gophers when he was a god on the ice. Like he was awesome with the Gophers. All right, yeah. so if if you, this is kind of where when I first read this name, something was in my craws. Like I've heard this name. Where did this come up? Well, unfortunately, if anyone remembers seeing the video of the, I think it was a couple of college hockey players at Mercyhurst, and one of them pushes a wheelchair down the stairs at a bar. That was his son. And that's why I think his son got kicked off the team after oh. that one. But there is a huge thing about that. Like there's video footage of him just, I don't know, it's at a bar or nightclub, whatever. And there's a wheelchair at the top and he just looks at it and kind of pushes it down and breaks it and everything. It was one of the people there, which was her wheelchair. So not a very good incident, but again, not his fault. It was his son's fault. But if you remember the name and maybe were thinking how you remembered, that's probably why. Cause that was fairly, fairly recent that happened. All right, Josh, his rookie card. Here we go. This one, this is something else. So if you're watching on YouTube, it's a 1996-97 Upper Deck Ice number 120. It's a World Junior card. This is what TCDB had. It's the only one they had listed as the RC designation. Now, first, let's go through this. There's only two graded copies of this card at PSA. There's one PSA 8 and one PSA 9. BGS has 14 total graded copies, with six being a BGS 9.5. Couldn't find any sales of the graded copies. Rock copies sell around for $5 US. Okay. Now, Josh, look at this card. Looks great. But then look at the back. And maybe this is something I just totally missed that they did back in the day. They literally just reverse imaged the photo. Because you can see on the back, the numbers huh. are wrong. Or they're backwards. Everything's yeah. flipped. Like Bauer's backwards on his gloves. Now, I don't know if that like that's normal <laughs> Or is that just lazy card design? But I'm sitting here staring at the thing, and I look at the back, and I'm like, this looks like the same picture, just backwards. And it is, because everything's reversed. Just kind of do you like that, though? I, I, I no, think it's I hate ugly. it. I hate it. Yeah. I don't know why you'd do it. I'd rather have some other picture on the back. But maybe there's a reason, but whatever. And I also want to mention, since his rookie card's such a kind of mess and doesn't sell, graded copies are very rare. He does have our favorite all-time future watch auto in the SP Signature Edition Legends that came out this year. Was it this year that it was actually released? Yeah, I think so. This one sells for around twenty to twenty-five dollars US. Well, twenty twenty-three. Yeah, uh, I Pardon think me. that's a lot better than his rookie card. I, yeah, I, I, I would make this his rookie. <laughs> this is um, his new rookie. Maybe card. suggest that that be his rookie card from now on. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, interesting guy. Very, I mean, playoff performer, almost point per game in the playoffs. It's kind of what he's known for. But very long, successful NHL career, and now it sounds like a good uh, front office career going, too. All right, Troy, we're going to move on to who's hot and the struggle bus. We did our uh, special show last Monday on Christmas for, uh, uh, oh, I guess our episode, and we did not have who's hot last week. So kind of fun when there's been a couple week break and you can look back at the NHL leaderboard and see who the movers and shakers are and who's been in the the you know have been in the NHL for the past week and then maybe also some of the players where the struggle has been real <laughs> so for week 12 of the 2023-24 NHL season we'll start with our picks for who's hot uh, first one got to go Troy is Patrick Kane 
this is kind of crazy. I don't know if I if I would have predicted this. Would you that he would have been off to the start he has? Is he? Oh no! And especially with you're going to bring it up with the procedure he had. But holy cow! I guess it worked. Yeah, no kidding. So the Detroit Red Wings forward just starting the season, basically coming off that daunted hip resurfacing surgery, <laughs> has been completely lighting it up over the past two weeks. And in his last seven games played, Kane has put up five goals, six assists for 11 points on the season, giving him six goals, seven assists for 13 points in 12 games played. It's pretty crazy. He's been more than a point per game player since coming back from that surgery that nobody to this point has really been able to come back from successfully. So the three guys that have had it before him are Ed Jovanovsky, Nicholas Backstrom and Ryan Kessler. And none of them were, I think Jovanovsky never made it back. I don't think Kessler made it back. And Nicholas Backstrom has really struggled coming back. So pretty impressive. And, you know, you never know, like, to what degree their injury yeah. was. Like, maybe his was to a lesser degree. But I would say that he had less shaving. They had to shave than less than off than of his. the other guys. Oh, <laughs> gross. Um, okay. So now while Patrick Kane has been red hot, his team, the Detroit Red Wings, have definitely not. So they're two, eight, and one since Kane joined the lineup. And this blew my mind because I was like searching for articles on Patrick Kane, just wanted to see what the vibe was out there about him. And I saw a bunch of speculation he might get traded before (laughs) before the trade deadline. Uh, You know, so it sounds like if Detroit is not in playoff position as the deadline near, a move could be possible. But I think he does have a no movement clause. So he'd have to be. I was just looking that up with any, (laughs) yeah, with any deal going down. I don't know. It just seems crazy that after 12 games that they would already in him playing so well that they would, unless he tells them that, listen, I'm not going to resign here next year. But how would you even know that after 12 games? And then at some point you get like a reputation, like some of these NBA guys get where they seem to be on a different team every year. Yeah. Maybe. He does. uh, But but that being central. He does have a no trade clause, um, and he's only making two point seven five million, so ain't too shabby, or it's not too much money, but very interesting. You think any playoff team might be able to find a way to pick him up if if that was really his intention? And over his play over the last twelve games, he's certainly turned himself, I, I would think, into an attractive trade asset for any playoff caliber team. So Patrick Kane is a two thousand seven Young Guns. His PSA ten popped three hundred and seventy three. Has a 33% gem rate, last sold for $752 US dollars on December 17th. It's down about 14% in the past three months. Uh, be curious to see what happens. As Mar- I mean, I think so many variables now. Yeah. Does he continue to play well? Uh, what do the Red Wings do? Does he get traded to a contender where he, you know, there wasn't that big of a jump last year when he went to, or I don't think any jump when he went to the Rangers last year. So I don't know. He just might, it might, be it is what it is at this point because he's so far into his career what do you think yeah and actually i like this his young guns from a pop counts perspective it's actually low it's not like two thousand three thousand so that's kind of interesting to me but i am interested to see what this does and if he moves or what happens with it all right you got the next guy i do josh it's our boy he's been left off way too long i think this season Every time I've looked up, I think he's been near the top of like the most points in my like time frame for a week or two. So now it's time to give him his due. But if you're watching on YouTube, you see the picture. It's Nathan McKinnon. Over the past two weeks, he has seven goals, six assists for 13 points in six games played. 
That's 2.17 points per game. That's pretty good. Um, in fact, this season, McKinnon has been a kind of a kind of a stud on Colorado. 36 games played. He has 19 goals, 37 assists for 56 points, which is sitting at 1.56 points per game. Currently on pace for 128 points this season. So again, pretty good. He is second in the NHL in points, ninth in goals, and first in assists. He's definitely in the running right now for the Hart Trophy. Obviously, the season's still got a long ways to go, but he's having a pretty good season so far. The Avs are being are really good. They're sitting in first place in the Central Division with a record of 22, 11, and 3. And it's kind of funny, Josh. I did the same thing you did. I was going out, looking at articles, seeing what's being said about McKinnon, and I came across one by the hockey writers, and the writer was Adam I'm going to say his name wrong, Proto, P-R-O-T-E-A-U. And he actually makes the case for how McKinnon is still underrated. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting because it's kind of funny how I see him on the top of the list for the who's hot and kind of just skipped him because I'm like, ah, you know, I kind of boring. <laughs> He's not in the media that much. They got McCarr, they got Ranton, and they got some other players. But yeah, I kind of get it. I When I read the article, it, it's short, but it's, He's just kind of a quiet guy, but he's having an awesome year. So I am really intrigued to see how his season plays out. I totally agree with that. Like, like when you're like, have to think on the fly of like who like the hobby elite guys are, or even yeah. the NHL elite guys are. I never, th- he never comes to mind. It's, it's amazing. It's, he is just a stud and he keeps producing. And he just keeps going and we kind of forget about him sometimes. And so McKinnon is a 2013 young guns. PSA 10 pop is 1,453 with a gem rate of 55%. Most recent sales have been around 450 US. And in October, this card was all over the place. It was from 400 to 500. It traded in that range. So you could say it's maybe down a little bit or just basically flat if you want to take the averages. I'm sure it worked out to probably around 450. But again, high pop count, but low gem or let's say mediocre gem rate at 55%, which is kind of good, but yeah, definitely find this card if you want it. All right. The last guy we're going to feature for week 12 and who's hot is Sebastian Ajo. Nobody in the NHL has more points over the past two weeks than Ajo. Now this is the one from the hurricanes, not the Islanders. (laughs) So I got a fun fact for you right off the bat. Troy. All right, let's do it. Sebastian Ajo's plural. So the Sebastian Ajo, who's a defenseman for the Islanders is from Sweden. And our guy here who we're talking about today is Sebastian Ajo, who's the forward for the Hurricanes mm. from Finland. Not even from the same country. Crazy. <laughs> the Finnish forward has four goals, 12 assists for 16 points in the last seven games played, giving him now 15 goals, 27 assists for 42 points in 34 games on the season. We're already in the eighth season now for the 26-year-old Ajo. And at this pace, he's projected to finish 2023-24 at 36 goals, 65 assists for 101 points, which would be the highest point total of his career. His best season to date was 2018-19, where he had 30 goals and 83 points. So to go from 30 goals to 36 goals and 83 to 101 points, that's a nice jump for Ajo at this point. And uh, yeah, so having a, a pretty good year to start. He leads the Hurricanes in goals, assists, and points by pretty wide. Well, I think goals maybe by two, but yeah. definitely assists and points by pretty wide margin this year. 
And right now his team is in second place behind the Rangers in the Metropolitan Division with 44 points, which is also good for fourth in the Eastern Conference. And another interesting thing that I was looking up Ajo a little bit today, he's been really dominant at the international level. So in 2016, he led Finland to the gold at the World Junior Championships with 14 points in seven games. And then in 2018, Troy, while Finland took fifth at the World Championships, which is not nothing to write home about, but he was named the best forward of the tournament with nine goals, nine assists for 18 points in eight games played. So he tends to light it up on the international stage there. Everything I hear about the Hurricanes is what's killing him is their goaltending. So yeah. you have yep. no matter how many goals scored. Well, I think uh, Kachekov did has has actually did pretty well the last three games. So maybe maybe the tides okay. are turning there, but who knows? Sebastian Ajo is a twenty sixteen young guns. PSA ten pops seven hundred and eighty eight, fifty one percent gem rate, less sold for a hundred dollars even. When was the last time that happened? Yeah. Uh, on December twenty fourth. Up 92% in the past month. So maybe people are starting to get back on the Sebastian Ajo from Finland and plays for the Hurricanes. Well, there it is. Along with my parents' internet. <laughs> we got, you know, struggling. We got, we got some people, a few players, uh, well, that are struggling pretty bad too and had definitely have a seat on the struggle bus this week. Uh, we'll let you start off, Troy. You've got uh, pretty much a no-brainer here. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll start off. And our internet definitely is struggling because I think we were having a delay. We were kind of like, I'm talking, but you don't get it. And then you start talking over me, and then we talk over each other. So that was fun. I think that might have fixed itself. But if it is, apologies to everyone. Yeah. We're not trying to do that on purpose. All right, so here we go. Josh, this is, like you said, this one's probably been a long time coming. You actually sent me a spit and chiclets. I think it was an Instagram post of a tweet <laughs> from Chris Johnston, who has the handle at reporter Chris that stated of the 60 NHL goalies with at least 10 appearances this season, Ilya Samsonov is dead last among them with a 0.840 save percentage. So that earned Samsonov a spot on the struggle bus this week. And he has definitely struggled. And he's actually struggled most of the year. It's not like this is recent. This has been kind of ongoing. So he came into the season as the starter for Toronto. But that went south pretty quick as he was outplayed by Joseph Wool. And now Wool is hurt. So Martin Jones is now carrying the load for the Maple Leafs with Samsonov getting a couple spot starts here and there. But it really looks like the writing's on the wall for him. I don't know if they move him or what they're going to do. But it is getting pretty bad. On the season, Samsonov, and this isn't that bad of a record. He's got five wins, two losses, six overtime losses, which, again, isn't that bad from a wins perspective. However, you look at the other analytics, his goals against is 3.94. Save percentage, as mentioned, is 0.84 and dead last among goalies with 10 or more appearances. And you just cannot have those numbers if you are a goalie in the NHL and expect your team to win. Well, I think Troy's win-loss isn't. His win loss is okay because they score so many goals. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And, you know, there's an absolutely, there's a really good article in The Athletic, basically, and it was written like a day or two ago, stating the Maple Leafs just cannot play him anymore. They have to stop it or move on. He's too much of a liability. They 
here, this was just one of the lines in the article about his play against Columbus on Friday night. The Leafs dominated the Blue Jackets, winning 73% of expected goals and still fell in overtime, thanks in a large part to Samsonov. He surrendered six goals on only 21 shots. Pucks found their way by him in every which way possible, including an Adam Fantilli shot that beat him cleanly under the glove from 36 feet away and tied the score at five. And then the number of goals against Samsonov has allowed in his last four starts, four, six, five, six. So this, it's just, it's going off the rails. He's got to, they need to take a break or do something with him. Cause I don't, I just don't think it's working out there, but all of this combined puts him on the struggle bus. And obviously once Joseph Wool comes back from his injury, how, how is Samsonov even going to play? Cause Jones has been doing fine. Wall was doing fine or was actually doing really well. So it'll be interesting to see what happens once Joseph Wall gets back, if they move him or whatever. Well, Samsonov too is he's like a real hothead, isn't he? I don't know. Yeah. I, I thought I heard that, but I'm not sure. I know. Like, uh, like he'll like really go after reporters a little bit and like chirp back at him. I think I know he's gotten harsh on himself before in interviews where he'll just straight up say I okay. stunk with using harsher language than that, but we're a family show. <laughs> but yeah, he might be. Um, so he's a 2018 Young Guns. His PSA 10 pop is 438 with a gem rate of 72%. Last sale was around a whopping 23 US dollars via eBay. Early October, this card went anywhere from 30 to 50 US. So it's kind of fallen down and sits right about where I expect it. All right. Joining Ilya Samsonov on the struggle bus this week is Penguins defenseman. Eric Carlson got to give an assist to California Dave from the Gonshaw oh, yeah. Discord for nominating Carlson for a seat on the struggle bus this week. So thank you, Dave. In the month of December, Troy Carlson has scored zero goals, hmm. added five assists for five points in 12 games played. Not horrible numbers for an NHL defenseman, but maybe not when you're, you're coming off the first <laughs> 100 point season, right? For a defenseman since 1991, it's a huge drop in production and probably not the what penguins fans were hoping for or expecting this season out of Carlson. So if you look at his season today, Troy, the 33 year old now has six goals, 17 assists for 23 points and 34 games played, giving him a pace for the season of 14 goals, 61 assists and 75 points. Again, not terrible, right? I mean, I would take a 75 point defenseman on the wild any day, Uh, but he was after pretty hot start. And then, you know, things have really, come down since December and the the content out there is not pretty on Carlson either. So uh, I saw a couple articles that threw out the idea of benching him and he's a reigning Norris trophy. winner, And, you know, maybe like a game or two to provide him a jolt to maybe get out of that slump. And then there's this one article that was talking about Pittsburgh fans and kind of how like fed up they are with him and just post after post being really brutal on social media. And, you know, I, I think, it boils down, of course, to I think expectations at times and how sometimes players can have a really great season and that kind of backs them into a corner because yep. not only did he score over 100 points last year, he he has a $92 million contract. So when you, you know, what he's doing right now isn't going to satisfy, I don't think, especially at that level of pay, uh, the fans. And, you know, the, the, just the expectations are super high. 
part of what I think has been hurting his stats the most and maybe the team the most is their power play. They're converting to only 14% of their mm-hmm. chances, ranking near the bottom of the, of the NHL. And I saw some quotes from Carlson about it. Of course, he has no idea. <laughs> I uh, it's funny when you're 40 or what, 35 games into a season, your power play stinks. And then the <laughs> reporter goes in and says, why is your power play so bad? And it's like, you know, if you think I knew... <laughs> kind of but and again i just don't know how realistic it was or i i wonder in some ways if this is sort of like a, a trap situation where he was sort of setting himself up for you know to kind of have a fall this year and, and that probably and not just on like the superstar scale but i'm sure that this happens to a lot of nhl players where by by i guess you call it luck right where they mm-hmm. have on their contract year, they have their biggest season and, and then they get a big number. Right. And now the expectations go way up and they kind of revert back to the norm. Then uh, it's really hard for them to live up to those expectations. Yeah. It's interesting. I think the big knock on him too is his defensive play, but I don't think that's been a problem this year. And again, I hate plus minus. I think it's a dumb statistic, but it's kind of interesting to look at. He's actually positive this year where usually he's been negative. So I thought that was pretty interesting about his his play. But yeah, I don't I just never have been a Carlson Bobo. I just I don't know how he can make that much money <laughs> given his like advanced analytics and stuff, but yeah. there it is. Well, Carlson is a 2009-10 young guns, PSA 10 pop 236, 45% share rate, last sold for 180 US dollars in December 9th. It's down about 11% in the past uh, 3 all right, so that's who's hot and the struggle bus for week 12 in the NHL. Remember on who's hot, we had Patrick Kane, Nathan McKinnon, and Sebastian Ajo, pretty star-studded who's hot this week. And then right in the struggle bus, Ilya Samsonov and Eric Carlson. Got to make a quick uh, Slap Sharks mention before we move on. Uh, Slap Sharks sponsors our show. We're very, very grateful to them for their support. So after their holiday hiatus, the weekly Slap Sharks eBay auctions try start up again this Thursday, January 4th. Uh, they're taking submissions, I think, now as of January 2nd. So you can drop them off. You can send them in if you're at a card show. And the, I don't know if there will be any this week, but they always have reps in Canada at card shows there. Um, you know, you're, I'm sure this first auction out of the gate is going to be an absolute banger. So you're going to want to have your cards in there. Currently, though, there still is an auction live, as they've been doing kind of all through their break, as they're relisting auctions. And then they're also listing cards that were submitted maybe as they're kind of cut off yet. And um, for not having auctions, they tend to have pretty awesome cards. So don't sleep on this. Go to (laughs) Slimesharks.com. Check out a link to the auction. I picked out just five that I thought were pretty crazy. So the first one is a huge card. Yeah, huge huge card. 2021 OPG Platinum Cole Caulfield Rookie Autos Golden Treasures 101. Peg 8.5. Now, now, if you remember, this is the card. Well, I was saying, is this the, the one? 4th of July. Is this yes. the one pulled here by two brothers? Two bros? Yeah, yeah. In, yeah. Uh, where are they? In Coon Rapids, Brooklyn Center, Champlin Park, somewhere in there. But it was raw, so whoever bought it had a yeah. graded at tag, it looks like. And I think it went for 12 grand Wow. on July 4th. Now, I mean, his shine is a uh, not as bright as it was then so we'll mm-hmm. see what happens but uh pretty massive card and then the next card that really showed up to me is a card i really just like because i like leon dry as most people know but i think this is a cool rpa no uh it's, it's 
got the ice logo, which Troy doesn't like. So we'll yeah, over that. But it's a 2014 <laughs> Upper Deck Ice Leon Dry Settle. It's a Ice premieres the Rookie Patch Auto Parallel, or uh, it's out of ten. It's a PSA eight, so very low pop. Cool three color patch. Um, I don't know. I just think it's a cool card. Now here, Troy, Troy is a 2016-17 William Nylander, who we could have put in who's hot again this week. I think he's yeah. fourth in the NHL in <laughs> points on the yeah. or th- third leading points score this season. Uh, young Guns BGS 10 pristine. So highest graded Young Guns. Uh, that's a cool card. And then I, I think I saved my favorite for last. I'm guessing this would be your favorite too. It's a 1999 oh, yeah. Be a Player Millennium Curtis Joseph NHL Shield game used field now i was thinking when i looked at this card troy that this would be kind of a fun set to collect yeah how i wonder how much these go for i have to I'll have to watch this auction because i'm curious is this like the first it's, shield cards it's kind of neat that it's on like it's not a like an upper deck card it's a be a player card yeah and, and obviously they were figuring out the presentation because it's like yeah <laughs> not exactly centered in the nope. window but it but it is kind of cool, and I, I like the card design. I like the color match with the blue. So, uh, yeah. So again, check out slapshacks.com for a link to the auction. Place your bids on any of these five cards or many of the others that they have live this week. And then, of course, if you're a Canadian hockey cards collector, we'd seriously recommend checking out Slapshacks eBay consignment services. They make it very easy to sell your cards on eBay. All you need to do is ship them your cards, drop them off, submit them at one of the many trade shows they have reps at. Uh, then they do it all. They take awesome photos, list of cards, answer buyer questions, hunt down payments, ship to Canada and the U.S., and then handle any post-sale issues. Remember, too, that they have the ridiculous Connor Bedard promotion where they offer 98% payouts on all Bedard cards through June 2024. So for complete consignment information and to start submitting your cards, then today head to slabsharks.com. Happy news! Uh, we got a World Junior Championships update, Troy. All right, here we go. Yeah, when these... Uh, Tournaments are in Europe. Like, I, I want to try to watch games, and then I, I realize that they're at like four in the morning. <laughs> makes it a little tough. Yeah, so I'm catching highlights. So, group play for the 2024 IIHF World Junior Championships included Sunday. Uh, actually, I think the last game might be still going on live. We're going to do a little live look in in Let's a second. Uh, and then the is it still going on. Nope, it's over. Canada won. No, it's so over. We, quarterfinals okay. are set. All right, awesome. Yeah, so quarterfinals begin January 2nd, uh, and then semifinals on Thursday, and then the championship and third-place games are on Friday. So by the end of the week, we'll have a new uh, World Junior Champion. Looking at leading scores very early on through group play, and this wasn't through the last Canada game, so you know, uh, we'll maybe have Troy do a live look in on Macklin Celebrini. But uh, <laughs> earlier this morning, Slovakia's Servak, Petrovsky led the tournament so far with five goals, four assists for nine points in four games played. Petrovsky, Troy, is 19 years old and was a sixth-round pick by our Minnesota Wild. Oh, there we go. Good. <laughs> yeah. Very, very good. Then all tied with eight points. Oh, Celebrini is up there now, too, so he has eight points as well. Yeah. So, so Celebrini joins three Americans, Gavin Brindley, who's a Blue Jackets a draft pick and prospect, Cutter Gauthier, who's just, I think, killing it in college hockey this year and is a Flyers prospect. And then Frank Nazar, 13th overall pick by the Blackhawks in 2022. And then now Canada's Macklin Salbrini, who I think is, many think is the presumptive number one pick in the 2024 yeah. NHL entry draft, all have eight points. 
So, uh, yeah. And then Philip Mesar from Slovakia uh, was, well, he he rounded out the top five before Salbrini yeah. was in there. He has seven points in four games, and he's a first-round selection of the Canadians in 2022. The goalie leaderboard, Troy, has been uh, pretty impressive as well. So, last I checked, Hugo Hovlid from Sweden had two yeah. shutouts. Uh, Trey Augustine from Team USA, 0.952 save percentage in two games. That's pretty impressive. And then did uh, Mathis Roseau from Canada, did he play again today? I'm you know? guessing he did. I'm uh, guessing yeah, he, he did. A little bit. He yeah. dropped a little bit. But uh, he, he was doing pretty well uh, earlier. So now the quarterfinals should be set, right? What are yep. the matchups in the quarters? All right, so matchups. Let me zoom out a little if you're watching on YouTube. So, yes, quarterfinals will be Slovakia versus Finland, Canada versus Czechoslovakia, USA versus Latvia, and then Sweden versus Switzerland. And that should be it. I think – what's Germany-Norway? Is that the quarterfinal? Must be it. All right. Well, I wish they did a bracket on their website so we could see, like, when it's the, the – It's the IHF. They are the most disorganized bunch of lunatics. They don't get me started. <laughs> okay. I just don't want to start on them. Troy doesn't want to get banned from international tournaments. No. So. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Good thing to keep your mouth shut. Right <laughs> I got just got one more story in hobby news this week. And this one, I, I, I got to know if you know about, because I was like, what is this? And so uh, Flower, our guy, Mike Andre Fleury, who's probably getting a lot of playing time now with, uh, Oh, if Gustafson's hurt, will they call up Wallstead then, Troy? Oh, maybe. Maybe. So, and I, I didn't know this was a thing, but there's this award called the Unmasked Goalie of the Year. Had, had you ever heard of it? No clue. No clue what this is. It sounds like they just made it up, but it's not. It, but the NHL.com is making like a huge deal of it on their homepage. So I'm like, okay. So per NHL.com, the Unmasked Goaltender of the Year Award or is awarded to the player who has strived to, or they're trying to strive to recognize someone or something so they can give the award to a thing that (laughs) dominates conversations in the goalie world during the past 12 months. It's also kind of weird timing for an award. Like you expect awards to be in the off season, right? But well, it's, it's the the sixth time the award has been presented. And the second time, the only two time winner is uh, Mark Andre Fleury. So that's kind of cool, I guess for us wild fans. Now the past winners, the inaugural, Award, of course, went to Pecorine. Of course, do that. Right? <laughs> of course, why wouldn't you? You're not a legitimate goalie award <laughs> unless you give the first one to Pecorine. Make Troy happy. <laughs> then Robin Lehner in 2019, Big Cat Andrea Vasilevsky in 2020, Flower in 2021, Linus Allmark last year, and then Flower, of course, again this year. Now, Mark Andre Fleury is actually, and I, I'm guessing this is kind of why he got the award. He's really on the doorstep of. A couple of huge NHL milestones. Number one, he's two starts away from his 1,000th game. No, I think he, I, was, I think he had a thousand, didn't he? Oh, really? He should have. Oh no, no, he's one away because he had to well, come no. in for Gustafson. So it's not starts; it's games played. So he came in for Gustafson. So then he gets one. So now he's at 999, oh. and they right, played nine. today. They, I bet he hit a thousand today. Okay. I'm guaranteeing well, he played. Yeah, I think I did this like a day or so ago. Yeah. So only three other current NHL goalies played in a thousand games. No, um, no, 
Only three NHL goalies have ever yeah. played in a thousand games yeah. other than Flower. It's Martin Brodeur at 1,266, Roberto Luongo at 1,044, and Patrick Watt 1,029. So you got now Fleury at 1,000. Then I was curious, like, well, who's the next closest active goalie? And it would be Jonathan Quick with 766. So he's never going to get there. Yeah, no you, way. You, mean, you mean Vesna candidate, Jonathan Quick? Vesna candidate. Stoppable this year. He's crazy. What a renaissance. Yeah. I know. And then Officer Bob, Sergei Bobrovsky has 669. Yeah. And and I don't know if this hat. Well, did they win? Did the Wild win today? Great question. I'll look it up while you talk. Because at, at the time I wrote this too, Flower was only one win away from tying Patrick Waugh for second all-time in wins, which would be his 551st victory. They lost. (laughs) Of course. Uh, Martin Brodeur's all-time wins record is probably pretty safe at 691. Yeah. But, again, you know, be second all-time in wins is kind of crazy. Huge milestones. I mean, probably as big as goalie records as you're going to get. You know, maybe other than Vesna trophies that you have or Mm -hmm. Stanley Cups that you've won. And it kind of made me re try to re-examine the big picture on Flower a little bit. He does have three Stanley Cups. He has one Vesna yeah. Award. He'll be one of only four goalies to ever play in a thousand games. And that what what I was reading about that, which made sense too, and we've talked about this, is that with how the goaltending role is so is so shared, yeah. that it might be a long time before another goalie gets to a thousand uh, games. Yeah. Oh, for sure. With it's just there's too much game man or whatever load management that goes on now. Like in the what was it? We had those guys in the 80s that were playing 78 games or yeah. 80 some. Who's it? Glenn Hall. Is it Glenn Hall? I think it's Glenn Hall. Played some enormous number of straight games that will probably never be broken. And it's just that won't happen again. It just won't. We know too much. So when you go back again to the big picture, like when you think of like all-time greatest goalies, right? It's the Jacques Plants, Terry Sachuk's, Patrick Waz, Marty Brodeur's. And does Flower deserve to be in that in that vein now with three Stanley Cups, second all-time in wins, fourth well, he, player to play a thousand games? I think he deserves to be in the top ten for sure. I don't know how you get him past the nostalgia that people always have for Plant, Sachuk. It's just it's one of those era things, and. I don't know. He's definitely in the top 10, maybe five, six, somewhere in there, but he's had a fantastic career and you can't, I mean, three cups. That's pretty, pretty uh, good for a goalie in the, today's game. I'll be curious to, to, to see when he finally does retire. It doesn't sound like again, it'll be this year, but yep. maybe next year or the year after what his hobby chase remains at once he's retired. Cause I think that's like the big test, right? Is that are you still relevant in the hockey card hobby yeah. when you're no longer playing? Well, plus he's what he's, Quebec from Quebec. Is that where he's from? Or he's Canadian. Yeah, Montreal, he's Canadian. I believe. Canadian. So I think that helps him out even when he's retired. Sure. All right. Mark Andre Fleury is a 2003 Young Guns PSA 10 pop 41. Who crazy. That sold for 1,510 US on June 1st. They don't sell very often. Pop 41. Check this out, Troy. Oh. All time high in this card 4,300 <laughs> US from April 11, 2022. No, yeah, you better be a big Flurry fan to <laughs> work over that kind of deal for sure. But congrats to Mark Andre Flurry and all the PC guys out there who love Flower. Well, I'm really excited to do this one. <laughs> Last year's hobby predictions. Yep, we keep very meticulous notes on our show, and we actually store them. <laughs> before I'm like, 
document number eight now. I had to go all the way back to document number two. Nice. Age 95 to drum up. We did, at the very start of 2023, we did kind of a, a, a predictions-focused show. So I decided it'd be fun to look back and basically see how we did. And there's some user or listener polls in there, too. So see how everyone else did, too. Um, yeah, so we're going to basically just roll through our 2023 predictions and see how bad we were. <laughs> so first one was, who were the possible breakout candidates for 2023? We had three, Troy. Yep. And I'm going to tell you, I think we did okay yeah. on these. So the first one was Jack Hughes. Very good start there. Yep. At the time, he had 20 goals and 41 points on the season. He'd end up finishing with 43 goals and 99 points. This season, of course, he has 14 goals, 40 points in just 28 games, and he's off to an amazing start. He had his hobby breakthrough um, really probably starting late spring, but kind of really took off in the fall. All his cup cards have been going for a lot. Um, I I think my new favorite hobby is finding ridiculous jackets. <laughs> That's what I collect. It's just what an awesome photo, huh? Yeah. Half a tooth, or not even half. That's about yeah. a sixteenth of a tooth left in that mouth. So when we predicted Hughes as a breakout candidate last January, on January, I think it was January second, his young gun PSA ten had a pop of two thousand four hundred sixty-one and was selling for about two hundred two U.S. dollars. Check this out, though. Today, so one year later, a day less than a year, right? The pop is four thousand three hundred thirty-seven. Increase of seventy six percent in pop count in one year, and it's on for three hundred five. So it went up. It went up. Kind of crazy. Yeah. Right. And if you ever like look at young guns, I think you can do this. Like in terms of like market cap, because their pops are so high, it's like that's a huge increase in market cap, right? If yeah. you're the total value of all the Jack guns, Jack Hughes young guns out there, uh, pretty crazy. So about a fifty one percent increase in price. Now this is kind of funny too. So we mentioned a Young Guns alternative as Future Watch Auto last January as well. And we said that you could get it for about $480 raw. Last sale of the 2019 SB Authentic Jack Hughes Future Watch Auto out of 999 raw was 1,300 US on December 26th. So just a few days ago. If we only only did our own advice and just (laughs) loaded up when we said that, like an Oracle or something. Well, I think it's more accurately if you only listened to this one piece of advice and probably <laughs> disregarded everything else, you would have done really, really you well. Did fantastic. So, Great job. One for one, Troy. We predicted yep, Jack go. Hughes' copy breakout. Now, the second player we predicted, um, dare I say, we're going to be two for two. Oh, We predicted Cole Caulfield was going to have a breakout 2023. I can feel my ego growing as we speak. <laughs> we're two and two, baby. So remember, this was January 2nd before he got hurt. We pointed that his age, his tendency to score goals, and the fact that he plays in a huge hobby markets were reasons why we thought he was going to be a, a potential breakout candidate. Of course, we could have never predicted his injury just a couple weeks later, yeah. or that he would go on almost an in, in, inexplicable I still don't know how it happened. <laughs> I know. Um, hobby run after that, because we were kind of, we were co-coffee Bobos, and then he gets hurt, and we're like nailing his coffin shut, and then his <laughs> cards are going up, up, up. The, the whole time so when he injured he injured his shoulder at the it was at the end of last january mm-hmm. requiring season-ending surgery he had 26 goals 10 assists and 46 games played and 
the big thing was that he was on a, a 45 goal or something like that pace. Like that's what everyone kind of really blobbed onto. And like I said, we kind of declared him hobby dead at that point for the foreseeable future. Cause it's January. He's not going to play again until October at best. And you're out of sight, out of mind the whole time. But, and we've talked, I think mentioned this maybe once before, but I think the combination of a weaker 2022, 23 hobby class, a ton of 2021 releases that have happened last spring, summer, this fall. And probably people remembering that 40 goal plus pace, he kind of remained the big chase over the summer. Mm -hmm. And it was crazy. So this year, Troy, 12,910 Cole Caulfield cards have sold on the secondary markets in 2023. That's over a thousand cards per month average. And that's pretty good. I mean, it's usually in the top five for all, all hockey players. 137 of those sales have been more for uh, than a thousand U.S. dollars. So this is now where you got to kind of we got to do a little reading between the lines between pop counts and young guns values. Because no. at the time we named Caulfield that breakout candidate, his 2021 young guns PSA 10 had a pop of 864, 35.7 percent gem rate, and it was selling for about 400 dollars last January. Today his young guns PSA 10 has a pop of 2,884 mm-hmm. last sold for $165 on December 30th. Right now, his pop count has grown 234% in a year. I mean, more than 2,000 yeah. PSA 10s. And if you think about you, the gem rate is still pretty low 34%. It, it actually went down. So, think how many were submitted. I was just that was the first year. thought in my head was how many man, that's a ton of submitted. Cole Caulfield's apologies. Drop my pen. Just a just a crazy amount. Um, so I, you know, I, I think that you have to the fact that it's a, a lot lower to me is two things: it's the dramatic increase in pop count, and they uh, honestly hasn't played very good this year. Mm-hmm. So I think he's pacing for twenty one goals and fifty eight points on the season. Canadians don't seem to be good in general. Our final breakout candidate prediction, Troy, was I, I think. Well, no, we take an L here, but it was mainly probably yeah. because of injury. Hard to predict. It was Andrei Svechnikov. So two of the three guys that we picked ended up having season-ending surgery basically a month later. Is this like the new Madden curse or something like that? You're going to get hurt if we pick you or what? Yeah, it's the new Troy curse because I f- forgot to load up the picture. Hold on a sec. Ah, uh, no worries. So on March 11th, 2022, Svechnikov tore the ACL in his right knee requiring surgery to keep him from finishing the 2023 season. And of course, then he missed the the playoffs at the time he was pacing for about 30 goals and and 70 points, which would have put him narrowly ahead of the season prior where he had 30 goals and 69 points. The thought process was he's 22 years old at the time on his way to a very good season on a super good team, right? That many were thinking would, do a, give, have a deep playoff run, so giving him a lot of opportunity to shine in the postseason. Uh, obviously, that didn't happen with the injury. But unlike Cole Caulfield, the hobby kind of you know was more predictable here, right? He sort of faded out of sight, out of mind mm-hmm. at that point while he was recovering for for a surgery. Uh, so yeah, I think his young guns went down pretty dramatically after the injury. So at the time we made our prediction, he was pacing over 40 goals too. So he had dropped off a little bit too by the time he got hurt. And his 2018 Young Guns PSA 10 had a pop of 
853. We're selling for around 225 US dollars. Uh, big spike from the beginning of the season when it was around 90. So we went from 90 last August or no, October to 225 in January. And then you look at today is 2018 Young Guns PSA 10 pop 1,106. Last sold for 78 US dollars. So on December 31st, that's down even 13% since the start of the season. So he's definitely in the lukewarm treading <laughs> water kind of category in, in his young guns. And it, it kind of doesn't make or make sense to me too, in that, you know, that's a big injury tearing your ACL and he wasn't exactly ready to start the season. So he didn't make his debut Troy until October 27th. And he's only played 22 games so far. So a lot of other guys have played like 35, 36 games at this point. And he's got, he does have those six goals, 15 assists for 21 points in 22 games, you know, almost a point per game. And again, we're coming directly from a, a ACL tear. And mm-hmm. I don't know, in my mind, that's not, that's not bad. So I'm going to say we went two for three. Do you agree? I agree. Two for three, maybe two point or no, 1.95 out of three, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Or 1.95. Okay. Now, now's where it gets kind of fun because, in addition to our picking our breakout candidates, we did a number of listener polls on Instagram. Yeah, and I, we're not going to go through all of them, but there's a few that are definitely worth reviewing. And so these are kind of polls that we did that, and I would say by and large, the hobby did well too. Yeah, just like us and in, in our prediction, with probably one huge exception. And uh, I can't wait. We're going to get to that one right out of the gate. It's the mm. big juicy one. Yeah. So this is, I mean, hindsight being 2020, this is hilarious, Troy. We <laughs> asked you, the listener, if you thought Upper Deck would raise the box price for the flagship series that contains <laughs> Bernard Young Guns and by how much. So we gave you three options. Nope, they're not going to raise the price at all. 24% of people thought that Upper Deck wasn't going to raise the price or whoever does. 39% said, yeah, they're going to raise the price, but it'll be less than 15%. Uh, wishful thinking there, too. And then <laughs> 38%, we said, oof, 15% or more <laughs> increase. And it's like, uh, yeah, we did not have double as an option. On there, 100%. <laughs> in total, 63% of respondents to our poll predicted a 15% or, or less increase on no. uh, what will be series two hobby boxes. No, that's not good. <laughs> What's crazy about that too, is that you can tell by the way we worded the question that we didn't even know what series he was going to yeah. be in at the time. So yep. then here's an interesting one. We asked listeners who would have the highest selling card of 2023. We gave four options, Wayne Gretzky, Gordy Howe, Bobby Orr, and Connor McDavid. Gretzky, one by far with 61% of the vote. Not a lot of believers in uh top end Gordy Howe and Bobby <laughs> Orr, 3% for Howe and 2% for Orr. And then McDavid came in at 33%. So of the of the four, the correct answer was McDavid, who with a 2015-16 Ultimate Collection Rookies NHL Shield Patch 101 that was a PSA authentic, sold for 181000 US on September 13th. But that was not the most expensive hockey card this year. That card was actually. Oh, sorry. Here, the, you dropped in on YouTube. This is the McDavid. Sorry, I was late to the game. Yeah, very beautiful card. It was at the is National. It? A lot of people saw it there. I think Karn and Slab Sharks has it because yeah. he had it at his booth at yeah. the Fall Expo as well. But the most expensive hockey card Troy sold this year 
2005 the cup alexander ovechkin rpa out of 99 psa 10 so for 182,400 us on june 11th so whopping 600 dollars more <laughs> than the mcdavid rookie so there you go for top sales then there's just some quick ones that i wanted to roll through so we had, we did a bunch of like players like who has more upside and kind of this player that player so one of the Two options was Jack Hughes or Kirill Kaprizov. 59% people said Jack Hughes. Those people are smart. I voted Kaprizov with my heart and definitely has not been the case. No. Then we asked Trevor Zegers or Cole Caulfield. Uh, A lot of people got this one right, too. 69% said Cole Caulfield. And we all know, even though he's not played well this year, it's been uh, much better than Trevor Zegers. So got that one right, too. And then the last one I thought that was kind of fun to look into was we asked who's going to have more hobby upside, Tage Thompson or Jason Robertson. And 70% picked Jason Robertson, and we're definitely uh, Thompson's another guy. I don't think Robertson's been like fantastic. He's doing okay, just not scoring a lot of goals, yep. but put producing points. And Tage has had been injured, and uh, the whole Buffalo, uh, they're just a mess. Yeah. Right All right, Troy, but enough about 2023. It's 2024 now, it's a new year. So we wanted to transition to spending. A little time looking ahead so i've been thinking a lot like what, what should we do as far as like previewing 2024 and the hockey hobby and i keep kind of i kept i guess my mind floating back to the big picture and this sort of like central theme that has really resonated with me in that i just think this is going to be an epic year for the hobby so i'm going to state my case as to why and then you're going to tell me if i'm crazy <laughs> or or if you agree with me too, but you're probably gonna tell me I'm crazy. I'm really excited to be part of the hobby right now. Again, I, I think this is going to be an amazing year. And it, it, by saying that too, I don't, I'm not saying that there's not going to be problems or things aren't going to hobby drama, yeah. right. That comes up because there's always going to be that stuff. But I just think in general, a lot of all the stars have aligned. A lot of work has been made to really kind of make this a, a big banner banner year in the hobby. The first thing that that I when I was thinking about why it's so awesome right now is we actually have three generations of current playing hobby superstars, right? And I and I think that some years like you get gaps or like what's like in the NFL right now, right? There's like they're so quarterback poor, yeah. Like, you can't even name the quarterbacks on half the teams because they've been through them, and it's just not a lot of fun when you don't have Peyton Manning's and Troy Aikman's and all those like you know Andrew Lux and all those superstars out there. So you start like with the old guard, right? You got Crosby and Ovechkin. You got thirty-six-year-old Crosby playing out of his mind. Uh, Ovi scored a goal the other day. That's good, no, right? Not an empty netter. Uh, not an empty netter. But in all seriousness, uh, both players they have their legacies are solid. They're all-time yeah. greats, and they should be big-time hobby chases for the foreseeable futures. And so I think like now it's about just enjoying the fact that they're still playing and that we have these two legendary players that are, uh, you know, still out there. It's not that they're not chasing anything. I think they're kind of trying to, you know, reach new heights, of course, Uh, for Ovi, you know, it's the goals record, of course, and his market, I think, is going to largely be dependent on, you know, if he can kick that up a little bit and start scoring some more goals. And I don't even really know. I mean, my worry with 
Crosby, Troy, is that the he can have an amazing season and the Penguins don't make the playoffs, and then it just seems like a big <laughs> lost opportunity for the hockey world, doesn't it? Yeah, it would stink if that happened, but it might actually happen because I I don't think anyone predicted this for him this year. And, and again, you know, it's tough because Ovechkin hasn't had a great thirty-game run, but uh, I I don't know. I, I just feel like that you don't get these opportunities to see these guys continue to play, continue to high play at a high level, and and you know it's just going to be. For, for a couple more years. And so moral of the story to me is appreciate their greatness and, um, you know, enjoy them while we still can. And, mm-hmm. and to me, if I'm upper deck, like I'm really trying to like leverage this right now. I'm trying to come up with like in, in big sets, some really cool. I know that, I mean, they have, especially in their rookie year, a lot of like dual auto kind of dual memorabilia cards, but um, I, I would be trying to find a way to have them go out, with the bang from the hobby too. Does that make sense to you? Yep. Makes total sense. I hope they hope they can figure something out. But that's just the old garden. And then you got sort of the uh the middle generation of like current superstars where still in their prime, still elevating their game. And that's kind of like what I call like the McDavid and Matthews category. They're, where they're I think Troy in legacy building mode. Yeah. Right. And I was listening a week or two ago, I don't know if you did you by chance see the Joe Buck interview with Wayne Gretzky? I saw bits and pieces like in reels that were on like Instagram. There's a part of that interview that I actually want to go back and find some point and maybe clip and or write down as a transcript because I and I can't remember the exact context, but the conversation came up about winning and winning championships. And Gretzky like came out and flat out said, like for himself and the players of his era. You had to win in order to be considered a great. Uh-huh. And then he almost like immediately recognized what he did. <laughs> I, think, I mean, I think it was his true feelings, but yeah, then, you know, it's oh, what's this? Because him being a legendary Oilers, and then with McDavid, he kind of started walking it back a little bit. Yeah. But I'll be honest with you, I kind of agree with him. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that uh, as good as Connor McDavid is, or as many goals as Austin Matthews scores, if they don't ever win, I don't know how you can be in the, the, the goat or Mount Rushmore type conversation with no championship. It just doesn't, I don't think it works. Yeah. I, I agree with you, even though it kind of stinks that hockey is such a team game and you're only one guy usually. And a lot of times, well, Back in the 80s, I guess Gretzky could probably carry a whole team, but I don't think that can happen now. We've seen it with McDavid, how good he is, and they still can't <laughs> get to the finals. But I agree with you. I think you have to have a championship to be considered in that top echelon greatest of all time players. And it's just, it's like the goalie thing, man. I mean, yeah. We keep coming back to it. We talked about it a lot, but so I was trying to, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think, well, what do we want to say about McDavid and Matthews? And could it be, could it be this year for you? I mean, what what if in twenty twenty four they broke through and one of them got that Stanley yeah. Cup? But then you look at the standings and it's like Toronto somehow is like seventh in the Eastern Conference, <laughs> and I want to say the Oilers are like tenth or something. Yeah, I, I don't so know wrong. if they're going to make the playoffs. I mean, how is that, is that crazy when you have arguably the two best players currently in the NHL? Not that that might not even make the playoffs. When does when do one of them start giving back some salary? <laughs> so, even though I'd never, I would never 
I don't think players should ever have to do that. I think that's ridiculous. But at some point, I guess the older you get, the more you want to win. And that conversation comes up. Yeah, I don't think the players' associations would ever no, no, allow that either. No, they shouldn't either. So, so I think like following them as they continue to produce numbers and you know, see how much better they can still get is going to drive more hobby interest. And then if, if somehow they can make a playoff run, I mean, I would think at, at this point it would be Toronto. That'd be much more likely to win the cup than Edmonton. Don't you? Hmm. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I agree with that. Okay. But now we got to hone in on Austin Matthews a little bit. If you haven't noticed, he's having a pretty incredible season. Yep. He's got 29 goals in 44, 33 games. That's a 72 goal pace, Troy. Yep. Nobody has scored 70 or more goals in a season since Timu Solani and Alexander Mogilny had 72 and 76, respectively, in 1992-93. Don't worry, though. Mogilny's still not in the Hall of Fame. It's okay. Just, just Let's just forget about that for now. Does he have a Stanley <laughs> Cup? I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> I'll look it now, I remember, too, that I think Matthews just turned 26 in September. He already has 328 career goals. So before his 27th birthday, he could have 400 or so or so goals. And I'm already working on something in subsequent episodes, but what he's achieved to this point is super impressive. And then he had a pretty downish year already at 40 goals last year. Yeah. Which is, again, we've said a million times it's funny that yeah. a down year for a player is 40 goals. But and he was injured. We think he was injured. And McGillney uh, has a cup. McGillney <laughs> has a cup with the Devils. Yeah. So again, I, I just think this year is good. It's going to be awesome to see what he does. Now he's a 2016 Young Guns PSA 10 pop 3,294, 70% jam rate, less so for 1,052 US on December 30th. Uh, it's up 32% in the past month and 38% in the past three months. Okay, so now the third tier, Troy. Is... If, you're, if you're watching YouTube, this has turned into a gong show. I don't know what's going on with my computer. It's slowly cycling through all the images. <laughs> so I'm just going right. to let it sit here. All right. It's, it's, <laughs> well, the next one is the right one. It's the uh, Hughes and Bedard. And again, I found another, I think, awesome Jack Hughes photo. So, I'm sorry. It got deleted somehow. I don't I know. It was just up on the screen. I don't know what's going on. No worries. So... We talked about these three generations of stars. You have Ovechkin and Crosby, McDavid and Matthews, and then now you have Hughes and Bedard, which which I'm kind of calling is the hopeful or potential superstars, right? Now, Hughes is a little bit ahead of Bedard, of course, because he's got a lot more experience and he's kind of actualizing, uh, you know, better performance to, to date where it's tough to judge Connor Bedard too harshly just 30 or so games into his career but it's really important though this group because there's nothing that the hobby thrives on more Troy than hope and potential and for these two guys in particular the sky seems limitless right now um, and it's not just them right they're part of a dynamic group of smaller but supremely talented and flashy young players that have the ability to I think drive new fans into the game and new collectors into the hobby and then when you look at it, and I think it's bigger than Hughes and Bedard. Mm-hmm. To me, what will be really, what I'm I, almost even most interested in this year is you have this huge pool. And I, I'm going to rattle off a bunch of names. And we could probably add, stop at 50, right? 
you have the likes of Cole Caulfield, Trevor Zegers, Byfield, McTavish, Veneers, Boldy, Rossi, Wyatt Johnston, Kent Johnson, Adam Fantilli, Leo Carlson, William Eklund, Logan Cooley, Luke Hughes. And again, we keep going and going and going yeah. on this. But one or two of these guys in the next year or so could kind of really set themselves apart and, and, and from, from the rest and where the others kind of just fall back maybe into more average players. So uh, I always think that that's fun to see because we know it's not going to be 20. The hobby doesn't work that way. The sport doesn't work that way. But and, and it might not be one of the guys I named either. Did I forget any kind of young prospects that are high on your radar? Or? Mm, um, uh, some of the goalie guys, but we goalies are just a forgotten breed. <laughs> Plus scoring, scoring's up again, I think, this year. So no one cares about goalies anymore. But last thing in the group, and we have to, I think this is where you have to focus on Connor Bedard a little bit, is that, you know, if we're being honest and we're talking about 2024, Troy, it's the Connor Bedard chase is going to carry the hobby this year. It'll be the, yeah. there's no doubt it's going to be the overarching theme. It'll be the biggest story. It'll be the, um, where the most focus is. And we should have a ton of great products coming out that keep the cash registers flowing at LCSs and break spots full. He's currently pacing for 35 goals, 75 points, which I think is good. Maybe not fantastic. Would love to see him maybe get closer to 40 goals if he's going to be this ridiculous of a chase yet this season. Um, But I don't know, Troy. For me, it's like 2024 is Bedard's hobby, and we're just all living in it. You know, it's going to. Yeah. Plus, I mean, I will say this to the NHL. They. Every time on that PR account, they put out some Bedard stat or something crazy. I mean, they're pumping it too. Like they, they know what they got. So at least I'll give them credit for doing, for seeming trying to do it right by Bedard and putting him out there all the time on some record that you know he's in the top ten for now or some crazy stat. One thing too that hit me that I think is related to this when I was thinking about Connor Bedard and the hobby in twenty twenty four is we were all a little shell-shocked and maybe critical at times this summer and spring, especially at Upper Deck, for basically carpet-bombing the hobby with product after product after product, relentless. But it it does kind of now that it it actually feels like we're more caught up to me. Does it feel like that to you? Oh, for sure. Like, even when we were trying to think, okay, I know we missed one or two sets when we were thinking about 21, 22. We thought they were all out except for a couple of them. But that's, I think that was a big step. Now it's on to 2020, 22, 23, and get all those out. And there's not that many more left, you know, besides, right? I mean, there's, yeah, they're, they're, they are, they're doing a job. They had to, we know they had to catch up. They had, they're trying to get all this stuff out before Bedard. Series two but, comes out. Yeah. And I think, so the net effect, of course, is then that we should have, in this calendar year, a lot of 2023, 24 products come out. And again, if you think about what the, the situation was 18 months ago, I mean, it would have sucked if they were still kind of as far back as they were. And you have Connor Bedard playing and playing well. And the, the first product is like six months or more, you know, down the road. Right. And so I think the fact that they've gotten caught up is really going to help cash in and kind of satiate everybody's excitement around Bedard this year. So another thing I was thinking about as to what, what is going to make this super interesting this year in my mind, and it's not going to be until the second half of the year, of course, but 
we haven't brought this up maybe as much as we should. So Fanatics takes over as the official jersey manufacturer for the 2024-25 season. So that means when the new season rolls around in October, they're going to be Fanatics jerseys. And so I think it can make things really interesting. The $64,000 question is, what does that mean? And does it does it get them more aggressive about pursuing hockey licensing on the sports cards end? Yep. Now that they're in the jersey game, will they be promoting you know, using their fanatics marketing platform to promote jerseys and hockey more nope. and with the high tide raises all ships sort of philosophy have that benefit the hobby as well. I don't know. Do you think that, that that could shake things up at all with them taking over officially as the Jersey manufacturer? I think so. I think, I mean, I think they have their sites. They have to have their sites set on the NHL and what they can do. I was always curious too. Can they go the sticker route? Because that's one way, right? You can do stickers is an exclusive to tops. That's why tops, right? Is that how, or is, I don't know how that, is there any other thing they can get into before trying to buy the card? License oh, that's a thing. Like, yeah, they else? do it now. Cause they own tops. Cause they got the sticker. Oh, they're thing. Uh, just talking yeah. to myself. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm, uh, I'm curious if they try to do that before I, I, I I do think there's a showdown coming up. I don't know when the license expires, the current one, with Upper Deck and the NHL and the NHLPA, but I got to believe Fanatics has that in their sites. I think it was undisclosed, but described as long-term. And I, yeah. I tend to agree with you because it seems like Fanatics kind of wants it all. Right? Yep. They don't they don't seem satisfied having a piece of the pie. It seems like they want the, the whole pie. So. So, yeah, it'll be fascinating to see what happens as that relationship officially begins to roll out. We talked about this a little bit last episode, but another reason why I'm really excited for 2024 is interest in the game, right? We talked about the TV ratings are going up. We're seeing a lot of young talent, a lot of flashy talent. We have two Michigan goals, Trevor Zegers and Connor Bedard in one game. Uh, I... We'd, I didn't see any numbers, and I don't know if they're published even anywhere, but you'd have to imagine within the next two days after that, the amount of social views of those clips had to be astronomical. Huh? Yeah. Oh, I believe they had to be because it was two Michigan goals on the same day, so it's pretty crazy. <laughs> Just one creates a buzz, and now you get two. There's expansion talk, right? And and yeah. the it hadn't hit me that... I don't think sports leagues like start to leak out exp- the idea of expansion if things are going crappy. Yeah. I, right. So it's just another indication that the game is growing and that, you know, I think that benefits the hobby this year with all the, agree. They're, like you said, they're, they're not screwing up the Bedard marketing job so far. So that's kind of nice. Yeah. They're leaving that and, to the hockey card people to screw that up. A <laughs> couple more things. So, in addition, I think the hobby is really, of course, engaged and fired up and ready to roll. It's like we're, uh, what's the analogy I was trying to think of? It's like the they're locked and loaded. Maybe that's, that's the best way to put it. But we've seen, of course, prices are down, but we've seen tons of show traffic. We've seen tons of cards being sold. Yep. And that's all. None of that's new. Like the expo has been nuts. What I still don't know, though, and I'm really fascinated to learn, and we're going to learn probably in the next 60 days is this whole concept of, like, war chesting. Yeah. Right? So everyone was saying, like, well, uh, it's a logical premise, right, that, well, a lot of these new products that maybe 
2022 trilogy or something like that doesn't sell well or lures prices already dropped because everyone's war chesting for Bedard. So if that's true, then every, everything should be totally bananas yeah. when that, when that set comes out, or maybe has that been overestimated a little bit? Uh, what are you expecting in that regard? Well, I'm expecting that that's all we've heard is everyone's war chesting. So I'm going with it. I actually, you know, it, it will be interesting because I don't have a, a precedence for this. So I wasn't really, well, I mean, I was just getting back into it 2015, 16 when you had the McDavid stuff. But I, everything we've heard is that people are war chests and they're just sitting on all their money right now waiting for series two. And I think it's fair to say too that nothing with Connor Bedard, well, I should, let me put it this way. Almost everything related to Connor Bedard has flown in the face of precedence and bucked the the trend. Yeah. And so I like I get like when there's like a huge whether it be the Easter egg, right, where he's like just like standing on draft day in a jersey or a Team Canada sale or a WHL sale where people the sort of the reflexive kind of notion that, oh man, if you paid six thousand dollars for a card, it's gonna be worth nothing when his young gun sells out. Because that's sort of the conventional logic, right? Yep. And that's sort of how we've all been trained to think. But nothing seems to go that way with this guy. So part of me is like, when even with the Easter egg that won the sold for ten thousand, I think ten thousand won sold for more than that. Uh, you know, a couple hundred dollars, but the, the week after. So at this point, I'm not shocked by anything related yeah. to Connor Bernard. I'm just not. Last thing is, I, I'm gonna. This isn't a prediction. This isn't a reason as to why the it's going to be an epic year in the hobby. But it's more of like on my wish list, maybe hopeful thinking. I'm really hoping that the, all the weirdness and uncertainty in our economy and that's trickled into the sports card market is hopefully at least stabilizing. Of course, nobody can ever predict an economy or a market. Nobody. There's no chance. Uh, we, but we do know that all this stuff is cyclical, right? It doesn't stay down forever. It doesn't stay up forever. It tends to go up and down through times. And it's been kind of a rough 18 months or so. I have no idea what will happen in 2024, Troy, but if you do follow like what the macroeconomics speak is that, you know, people keep the thing that I've noticed over the last year, and I don't know how much you've followed it, is that people keep, keep predicting doom and gloom and it never happens. Oh, that's human nature, though. I, th- I think economy stuff, I think we're OK. For, I, I again, I'm, I don't I'm not an expert on this stuff. I think it's more the geopolitical stuff that people should be worried about. But I don't know how is that going to translate to the card market if something breaks out. But I that's I think it sounds like the economy is kind of making a turn, but the other the geopolitical stuff is the bigger concern. But obviously, way out of my league. I'm talking about that stuff. Yeah, and then it's not worth digging in more. But and by I think my point here is is that if we can have at least like a stable hobby market, and God forbid, or you know, or maybe even if we're lucky, like a tick up or something like that. I think it'll make this year even that much better. Yeah. Um, but, but I don't know. Let me know your overall thoughts. Do you think, are, are you convinced that this should be kind of a, an, an I guess the well, I think, like an epic hobby year? Yeah. I mean, you're not saying it's gonna be the greatest hobby year ever. We're not saying that it's just going to be epic with a lot of stuff going on. And I think most of that's driven by Bedard, I think is the huge catalyst. And then you add in all these other things. Yeah. It's going to be exciting. I can't wait. I just hope that it's like, you know, how people will constantly refer to 0506 and then 15, mm-hmm. right? That 
five years from now, eight years from now, 10 years from now, we look at 2024 as sort of or the 2023, 24 releases. Yeah. I guess. All right. Just, I got a, a note and new product releases. That was kind of interesting. This is so half baked, but I just got to say it. So I got another Dave and Adams email today. Oh, oh, they saw it almost like verbatim <laughs> the, the lingo that they're doing a series two around hurry last chance before it's too late around the cup. And so no way. as we learn out, no way. Well, that's the thing. It's like, are they trying to raise the price a little bit from about <laughs> 1100 us dollars or is the cup selling well enough to that it could be, hey, there's no way it's selling. Out. I mean, I'm, I, I, I don't think it's, selling, but that's what I think to myself. It's like, well, they know the 22 cup release is going to be down probably given the rookie class. Yeah. So maybe people are jumping on this one while they can. I don't know. So it's just something to watch. I just want to throw it out there because yeah. it's something to watch. I'm going to try to find more information on that. And then the only other note, new product releases is still looks like 2022, 23 ice, uh, January 12th. Before you get to mailbag, just a quick uh, mention for PWCC, who is a gong show partner and sponsor. Of course, very grateful to them for their support. Reminder, the current PWCC weekly auction is live ends this Sunday night. Uh, I'm going to be back. After a two-week break on our YouTube live show with Jeremy Lee, starting at 8.30 Central for our first auction close of 2024. Uh, we do that on Jeremy's YouTube channel, Sports Cards Live. Hope to see you in the chat. So in the meantime, go to pwccmarketplace.com, place your bids on the cards. And then also, you know, don't forget, they have over 5,000 hockey cards in their fixed-price marketplace. And then on Thursday's show, like we always do, we'll have our favorite vintage and modern cards. Mailbag time, Troy. All right, mailbag. Got some good questions this week, so... Like it. First one, right off the bat, hits us like we're organized <laughs> and we think about things. Instagram, Hall of Fame, hockey cards. What are your hobby goals for 2024? I'll let you uh, start. Right. I totally stole yours for this year. It's the more I look around in my office and I'm pretty well organized, but I'm still kind of getting clutter and I kind of want to curtail my collection. Like you said, I, I got to get over the pack rat that I need to keep every single base card <laughs> and I need to figure out how to move those, give them, donate them, do something with them. But I think that's what I really want to do. I want to kind of make the collection a little bit smaller and more focused. Like you've been kind of doing with your stuff this year. Yeah. And that's my hobby goal is to kind of continue on that. And I think it's going to be really hard because there's going to be Bedard FOMO yeah. lore this year, but I'm actually really happy with the progress I've made in my collection. I, I kind of felt like I was just like, chasing stuff and i didn't know why before but now uh like i have you know probably like five or six cards that i'm really really excited about and that i want to have long term so uh if i could double that or triple it mm. i'd be really happy this year next question instagram stells 20 he, oh he has two questions but uh good ones though should psa introduce a superior grade to a psa 10 like bgs or sgc so I've, I've thought about this. And again, I hate grading. I'm not the biggest grader, but I've always thought P PSA should do something like that. But then I started thinking, I'm like, well, you know, BGS, everyone loves the black label. I don't think I've ever heard people say the black label is dumb or anything. So why can't no, it's PSA? Awesome. Yeah, it's a great. And I don't know why PSA couldn't do something. But the more I think about it, maybe PSA doesn't need to do it because they're obviously number one grader by far and away. And maybe they just don't see the value in creating something like that. But I've always thought they should. 
Yeah, I don't think I've thought through like the unintended consequences enough to to really know if I have like a solid opinion on this because if they didn't, you know, it'd have to be really cool. Like we'll talk about another example in a second, but where it was like had a big wow factor, and then yeah. it's like, would they be prepared? Are people going to send in like twenty million PSA tens trying to try to get or regrade? And is that what they? want for their business would that be good for the hobby i i just don't know so yeah if you could make it really cool looking which would anything's cooler looking than what psa has right now those labels are dumb <laughs> they just don't look they don't look they're not dumb they just don't look they've, good they put zero effort into presentation. yeah they just they look like they're on a dot matrix printer and they're just not that good looking but i always think back to how bgs even though they didn't grade it that magic the gathering 101 card the ring yeah that they created that custom holder or custom whatever case for a bgs grade was the coolest thing ever it was like written in elvish and it's like could you make something really really cool like that then go for it all right stelza second question which is related do you think sgc should redesign their sgc 10 pristine label to make it more visually different from the regular SGC-10? Uh, 100% yes. I, I think that they're shooting themselves in the foot. It's a big opportunity. I think, too, because they use the, the gold term, because they yeah. have that, like, they call what, the tuxedo black um, yeah. slab or insert or whatever it is, or inlay, that if they have, like, a really shiny gold label, it would pop on that to a huge degree. And they're just they're just being uh, not smart. I, 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 I don't know how that ever got approved. If, if you don't know what we're talking about, SGC 10 pristine labels, they're basically the same, but they have a little gold border around the, the label, if I remember right, is how it is. And yeah. if you just glance real quick, you'll, you won't, you'll miss it. You can just think it's a regular 10. It's, it's just, I don't believe, I can't believe that's what they decided to go with. But maybe you can't have a gold shiny one because then it looks too much like Beckett. But you got to figure something else out. All right, Instagram, Top Shelf Cookie Sniper 88. With the new year approaching, what are your guys' lessons learned this past year with collecting or the podcast? What are your 2024 goals for both also? Well, we kind of talked about our goals, but I thought the lessons learned is good. I'll let you start there as well, too. Yeah, I still don't know anything there. (laughs) When it comes to buying, it's still wax is not where it's at. If you want to make money, go for singles. However, I will never stay away from wax. So I've learned that, that I just love ripping wax a lot. Uh, from the podcast perspective, it doesn't get any easier. I can tell you that after doing it, what are we coming up on? Two years? It's almost It becomes more work, I think, just because now you have kind of this base of knowledge and your research, you're kind of getting that down, and you know all the different areas to find information and look up stuff. So it's definitely, it's not one of those things that gets like easier or less time consuming. In fact, I think it takes more time. That's so, crazy. Cause I've been having those thoughts. I'm like, how yeah. is this getting harder? <laughs> the fact that we just keep, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, I think the big lesson learned, I agree with you on the wax is that wax is for fun, but, and um, it's probably just more along the lines of focus, like how important focus yeah. is and that there's so many, there's so much noise and so many cards that, you kind of get distracted by mm-hmm. and maybe impulse by that you like shove in a box and never appreciate again. And I just yep. want to stop doing that. And so really trying to focus in that area. Instagram, the real McCords. What is the most overrated subset of the cup? Not the worst, most overrated. So this is a hard one to answer 
Yeah, I had no good answer. I had zero answer. It's purely subjective, and so I can only answer it to me, right? And and I can't because my answer is I, I don't like the rookie class cards. I know Mitch really liked them when he did our cup. I don't like rookie portraits. I just don't. No. So to me, it's overrated. But there might be like I could be in the great minority there. Um, but that's what I would say is because it's it just really plain and it's not very interesting. I don't know what the subset is, but I guess, and I might be not talking about cup cards, but the ones that I think I remember that are really like they're almost clear backgrounds that the auto's on. It might be a picture, and then they're the, I, I hate when the auto's hard to see, and I don't know what's that. I know there's a subset that has it. Oh, brilliance. Is it that what it is? Yeah, those brilliance yeah. might, unless it's someone I PC. Then I might I go for it, but I when they're really hard to see, and I just haven't been a big fan of those. All right, next question from Instagram, Stells20. Not so easy of a question to answer, but what do achievement cards generally sell for in comparison to the closest card from that set? For instance, I recently traded a 2016 Ultimate Collection Austin Matthews VIP Signature Auto. It's not numbered, but based on availability at the last three-year sales, etc., I have to believe there are less than 50, maybe fewer. It is a tough question to answer, and I think for two reasons. The first is, you're right, a lot of these achievement cards can be very unique, but I think what hurts their hobby, maybe market or values, is they're under the radar or people just don't know about them. So it's yeah. hard to kind of really chase and maybe bid up in an auction a card you may you may have never seen or heard of before. And And I think, you know, so you'd have to find those achievement cards that, kind of have really high visibility the other side of the spectrum is we've seen a number of achievement cards in the last year or so that are just basically very similar if not almost identical to cards from the the regular set so we've seen like the jambalaya for Connor mcdavid where he's wearing a different color jersey or there's the metallics ones that are basically the same but are numbered in the achievement and i think that what we've seen from like secondary market perspective is they'll sell for much less than yeah. they the people prefer. And I kind of fall into that category too. I don't know about you, Troy, but uh, if it's going to be almost the same card, I, I think I want the one from the quote unquote regular set. Agree. I achievement cards have been one of those things that have never excited me. I've kind of looked at them when EPAC does them with like speckles, rainbows, but it just seemed like way too much work that I'll just go buy the single. But as the value, I'm, I don't have a good answer for this, but this would be an interesting case study. If anyone wants to take a year out of their life and research this. No kidding. <laughs> All right. From discord blade visionary. What is one thing you guys would suggest that would infuse a jolt of excitement into the hockey card hobby in 2024? I, I thought of two things, Troy. I, yep. I think a really good well-executed follow-up to SP Signature Edition Legends. Yep. And then for me, and I, I've said this, I think, before, but I think the longer it takes for the Connor Bedard one-on-one Young Guns to pull, the better it is overall yeah. for the hobby because the more kind of the excitement just builds and builds and builds versus it's almost like you're shell-shocked when it happens yep. right away. Yep. I would say, I'm, I, I agree with you 100% on the SP Signature Edition Legends. Like, I think upper deck should try to do two of those sets a year really yeah just not not like not i'm not saying do sp signature. you can't do the same one again yeah. 
but two legendary sets. I don't know how like if they're new, whatever. I think they should try to get two a year. If not, for sure one. I think this has to be an ongoing thing. These this legend set. Yeah. I think it was such a win. It was so cool. The other thing I was thinking about, and this probably is going backwards, but it would garner excitement for me. They need to call some of these releases. I think they have too many, way too many sets yeah. right now. I think they need to take a step back and take out two or three. And just every year reevaluate that. I, I just think there's way, and this is just from the upper deck side with the all the releases. Yeah. I just think there's too many. Good answer. From Twitter X, Sebastian Engelhart. I've recently become a huge fan of Premier Mega Patches. The values are crazy, even for players that aren't normally quote unquote hobby relevant. Do you think they are the best non-autograph memorabilia cards? If not, what do you think it is? I love the Premier Mega Patches too, and I'm inclined to say that they're the best, but then I thought it right away, Troy. There's the new limited logo. I had the same exact auto. thought. I saw the same exact thought you did. Like it's those are I don't know. If they're not autoed and we love limited logos, or else you go the other route, kind of like Mitch was like, How can you have a limited logo without an auto? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a little more controversial in the moment. Yeah. But a year or two from now, it'll be interesting to see how the that the non-auto limited logos kind of compares mm-hmm. to the premier mega patch. Instagram, Kevin M. Cormier. When I was a kid, no one on any youth hockey team, whether it be ice <laughs> hockey or street hockey, ever wore 99 because if you did, well, you better be the best player out yeah. there. Does that exist anymore? Is it 97 now? Will it be 98? I'm really I'm really curious to get your point because you're you're very active in coaching. <laughs> um, I, would, I, I don't think I'd ever want my kid to wear 99. I think that's just setting them up for failure. I'm not sure... 98 or 97 carry the same weight as 99 does but i do think in any of those three you are shining you're putting more spotlight on yourself you're putting more focus on yourself and kind of trying to get more attention and to some certain kids that benefits and other kids it doesn't so i do you guys in in all the teams you coach do you have like um ways you handle those numbers so it's it's funny I'll, i'll give two kind of perspectives so when i was a kid so I love how he starts this question out when I was a kid. Yes, when I was a kid, guess what? We had one and 30. That was your two goalies. The rest were two for two through whatever, 18, however many players you had on the team. There was no deviating from that. And I don't think many of the teams we played as a kid's ever deviated from that. Now, somewhere along the line, we've had kind of the individuality, the the more, I don't know what the word I'm looking for stylish or trying to be different now the numbers are all over the place my son's a goalie he wears 94 go figure and it's just one of those things i don't think 98 97 are that uh big of a deal 99 still probably has a little yeah you better be good if you're wearing 99 but bedard's so recent that kids have been wearing 98 97 uh before that so i don't think I think it's just expected now. Kids are going to be, they like high numbers. They like goofy or they like different numbers. It's it's not yeah. like we used to be, but still, I say the 99 still has a little bit of that. You're going to wear that. You better be good. It's like wearing 42 in youth baseball. Probably yeah. Yeah. should just stay away from it. If <laughs> yeah. I kind of agree with you on the night. And I think a lot of associations, like I remember even growing up playing basketball, like they would, assign nobody 23 yeah because they didn't want kids fighting over it yeah all bent out of shape over michael jordan's numbers yeah 
All right, Instagram, Adam Luck. What are your thoughts on SGC or BGS trying to gain hockey market share by grading special for Series 2? Seems to be closing the gap for SGC and baseball with their bomb and promos. Uh, I would love that idea. I think that would be awesome. And anything to promote the hockey hobby and bring extra attention to it is a great thing in my mind and would be really smart. Yeah, I, 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 their perspective too. yeah I agree with you 100%. BGS, to me, should be the one that jumps all over this since they've taken the most hit and they were the most... I mean, they're kind of synonymous with hockey for, you know, back in the day, a couple or five, 10 years ago. Yeah. yeah. There, there was a point where more cards are great and more hockey cards are great with BGS than PSA. And what's it? It's McDavid, right? McDavid has more graded copies of BGS, the young guns, right? I, I think, think Matthews they, too. Yeah. So I think that would be something they would jump on. But SGC, I think if they want to try to make a dent in hockey, might be a good thing too. All right. Uh, Facebook, JVD. Is Zegras trying to force the Ducks' hand to get dealt out of Anaheim? I'm, I'm not sure <laughs> if it's his intention, yeah. Jay, uh, but I think the vibes have just been so bad in the whole environment there, the, going back to the summer. And I just, I'm, I'm not sure, like, you know, it's just not a good environment for for him. I, I don't know what the issue is. He's got two goals and four points and 15 games played. He's been injured, of course, too, so you got to give maybe another month or so to see what happens. But uh, we've talked about a lot too. It's been a brutal six months for him though, going back to summer and contract stuff. I, so maybe I'll try to amend the, you can answer Jay's question too, but, and then I'll add one on to there. Do you think if it's kind of status quo through the end of this year, that the likelihood of them finding a fresh start for the team and him is more and more likely? It seems like it. I think, they're moving that way now i was just checking his contract he's not a free he's a refricted uh refricted restricted free agent after the 25 26 season it looks but like he's got a very low i mean relatively like four and a half million so a very tradable contract too, yeah right? or yeah this says 5.75 but i don't know if that's the cap hit or what but yes it's definitely manageable from another team and he's young 22 all right, we're going to finish off with a Instagram selfie. Mike, you had two questions. He said, I noticed on 2022-23 SP retail cards, they say SP Authentic on the back, despite these being two separate products. Do you believe this is a product-wide printing mistake, or are there two products? Are the two products not as separate as I thought? I would guess it's a printing error. You're, so you're right that they're technically different products, but really yeah. SP retail is just a stripped-down version of SP Authentic that doesn't include the future watch autos. And I think that's probably why they brand it differently so that you don't have that expectation that you're going to get a future watch auto in the retail, in the retail product. But that would be my guess. Anything to add to that? No, that's how I've always thought it. I mean, that's how they differentiate in the past, but if they truly say authentic on the back, I think that's a, a blunder. Cause it used to say, well, I think it said used to say SP hockey, right? Is that what the, Something the, like that. I think that I may, maybe I'm probably wrong. It did say authentic, but I don't think so. Then he has follow up question or non card related question. What are your thoughts on the new Minnesota State play? <laughs> I'm so happy you kind of asked this. I'm sorry to bore everyone else. Okay, I'll bring I'm it so up. Out for of you. It. There you go. I'm so out <laughs> of it, Troy. I, I why are we getting a new state flag? Do you know like what's the the impetus? So. For this? I, I've been following this because I love this. The whole process is just mind. Oh, you're you're into. It's called yeah. It's called what's it called? Vexiology, I think, is the actual study of flags or something. But 
So if you're watching on YouTube, this is the new flag. This is the winner. I think it's the North Star. You can see the state of Minnesota in it's very navy blue. Yeah, it's yeah. very abstract. And then this would probably be the or I don't know what this is supposed lake. to be. Something water. Okay. So they came up with this design. I don't know. It is what it is. The old state flag is this monstrosity. If you're watching YouTube, it's just whatever. It it's been our flag forever. It's ridiculous looking. There's some guy, or I don't know if that's a Native American riding a horse. Some person in looks like jeans and a t-shirt <laughs> plowing a field. It's just, it's, it's like a bunch else. of radishes around it or something <laughs> yeah, like that. I don't know. I think they're, they make roses or, oh, they're probably, aren't they lady slippers? Cause that's our flower. Oh yeah. So yeah. There's some French words, whatever. So they went with this fine, but here's the thing. Anyone could submit a design and they listed all of them. They had to show them on the Minnesota state website. And they kind of narrowed down, narrowed down. Everyone wants this one. And you're going to love this. This is what someone submitted. This, as the as the new design, it's a picture of their dog. They're the only one that submitted this. And everyone wants this. Everyone wants this to be the new flag. Because it would be just oh awesome. God. Just a picture of this, whatever, golden. Or, uh, That's a golden lab, lab, right? Yeah, golden lab. It is so awesome. People loved it. I wish they would have done it. But no, we, we got this thing. Yeah, so they decided we needed a new flag, and I it is. But do you know fine. why though? It, like, like it was it? Is there like a was they I think, think it was like insensitive to Native American? People, I thought or? I thought maybe it was part insensitivity something. I I didn't really read all the real reasons, but it was. But now, but now, and since we live in such an awesome time, that there's certain counties that are already threatening to sue because they don't want to fly the new flag. They like the old one, so whatever. <laughs> go for it i don't care but i'm we fine with the new flag a, a yeah, flag I, podcast too maybe i'm fine with the new flag i want this flag i want the dog <laughs> uh are we uh big fat losers again for personal pickups is that the consensus? Yeah, i don't know what, i don't know what buying cards is and i had i was gonna go to the card shop but i didn't so i i am a big fat loser <laughs> excuse me uh, we did. We have an order of uh, wax that is being held by UPS hostage. So I'll talk to you about that later. So we'll have some uh, wax to talk about later. Is that we order from Canada or something? No. Oh, no. exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, that's our show. Uh, Happy New Year to everybody again. If you like the episode, please leave a rating review on Apple, Spotify, whatever podcast app you listen to us on. If you love the show, you want to support us, want to chat with us on the Hockey Cards Gangster Discord server, please consider a five dollar month. Donation, join our out of 199 support level tier on Patreon. Link is in the show description, uh, both podcast apps and on YouTube. It's on our website and the become a patron link at hockeycardsgongshow.com. You go to the Patreon website, P A T R E O N.com, and search for Hockey Cards Gong Show, or it's in our Instagram and TikTok profile as well. We are on social media. Hey, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. And Troy, the Hockey Cards Gong Show podcast is a production of Dollar Box Ventures, LLC. Have a great start to your new year, and we'll see you on Thursday.